I have kids, and I wonder that myself. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory Podcast. Hey, what episode is this? Is this 106? Or is it I believe it is. I think it's 106. It's 106. And wasting time, as per usual, from... Who's that up there in the Chicago region up there over by there? Well, both of us. Well, yeah, but you're actually in Relatively. Chicago. I'm, I'm actually in the city of Chicago, and uh, they call me Sean. Who's they? Uh, I don't know. I'm just going to leave that pronoun ambiguous. And coming from just a few miles from the nuclear power plant uh, that actually powers the city of Chicago, this is Jimmy G. And yeah. we got a special guest. Oh, he's special? Yeah, he's special. Oh, okay. We drove him up here on the short bus. Um, uh-huh. Not not because he's special, but because that's just all we could afford. Yeah. Uh, who are we talking to here? Who we got out there? It's Willie. 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 And yeah. if you don't know who Willie is, you have not been listening to video game podcasts at all. I wouldn't even say you haven't been listening to video game podcasts or YouTube channels. I have no idea where I was going with that. But let's continue. <laughs> was it North Platte, Nebraska? <laughs> Ah, North Platte, Nebraska. No. I've been through Nebraska. Yes, Illinois is the second flattest state in the country, but Nebraska is so boring. Oh. I can't say that, though. Mega Man fan lives in Nebraska, so most of Nebraska is boring. Oh, here you go. Here you go. So, hi, Sean. How are you? Um, I was going to say hi, but then you said, how are you? But I'm not hi, despite the fact that there's a dispensary in my neighborhood. Ah. So, I, I don't know. I'm... A little bit headachy, but I'm still here. Mm-hmm. And um, I played Yar's Revenge today for uh, the Atari 2600 High Score Challenge on uh, the uh, book face. And uh, now, did you play Yar's Revenge apostrophe S or S apostrophe? Um, let me see. It is um, S apostrophe. Okay, good. So you didn't play the new Atari VCS version that they showed off at the CES. <laughs> I've, I'm not even... Oh, I've, oh, the manual. I have the manual. I thought I did not have the manual, but here it is. It's right in the box. Uh, because when I, I opened the box, I thought my CIB... Because like all I saw in the box was just the cartridge. And I was like, wait, I thought I had the manual too. But now I see the manual. Do you have the uh-huh. comic? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, uh, awesome. The only problem now is that the uh, end label fell off the cartridge, so I got to oh. glue it back on. Yeah, I've had that huh. happen with a few yeah. games. I don't thought I had one right here that happened to. But the nice thing is, when the labels fall off, then you got a mystery game. I've got a couple of oh. uh, ColecoVision carts like that. And Speaking of mystery games, I did Uh-oh. something I wanted to do for a long time. It was uh, the last Monday of 2019. I went to Galloping Ghost, and I was actually there for a game unveiling, which I've always wanted to do. I was fully expecting it to be yet another like fighting game or another mm. game that had the word dragon or something oh, in it. Yes. Oh, I remember. I know what game this was. Yeah. It was cloak and dagger. Yes. Oh, yeah. I finally got cloak and dagger. Yeah. I was so glad to see that too. I have to say it, for a while there, I was getting kind of frustrated with the, uh, the, the galloping ghost, uh, Monday reveals because they seem to have always been like either a fighting game or something obscure and not to say that that's a bad thing. It's something obscure, but it's like it's like there were some holes in the uh, in their game lineup that they needed to fill. And darn if in the last three four weeks they didn't fill two uh, two pretty major gaps. Yeah. One of them being the cloak and dagger, and the other one being Journey. And another one 
Asteroids Deluxe. Yes, Asteroids Deluxe. I was shocked. I was. I thought well, they I had it. No, because I when I was there for the Cloak and Dagger unveiling, it occurred to me, I was like, wait a minute, I've never seen Asteroids Deluxe here. Yes. And I keep thinking they have it, but then I'm thinking, nope, that's Pixel Blast that has it. Yeah, and uh, Retrocade 2. Yeah, yeah, Retrocade 2. But, oh, my favorite of the Asteroid games. Oh, me yeah, too. mine too. Me too. Yeah, I love that game. The only, th- only thing I would give Blasteroids is I do like the feel of the uh, of having a spinner to turn your ship instead of the buttons. Mm. But, you know, with that game, you miss the, the, the crisp vector graphics, even though Asteroids Deluxe, they do seem to be dimmer than the uh, actual or than the original uh, Asteroids. I got to say this. I think it both uh, was it Prince Arcades or Pixel Blast. Yeah, it was Pixel Blast, I think, and Underground Retrocade. Their Asteroids Deluxes are pretty bright, I, that's, which surprised me because I'm used to uh, Asteroids Deluxe being very, very dim, even mm-hmm. in MAME. So it's not just the the hardware. Hmm. Interesting. Very. He says as he belches. Um, <coughs> I said my coughing is dying down, and now what am I doing? I'm coughing. Tis the well, I season. I just finished some uh, blackberry ginger ale, so I'm going to be burping a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Which is you, what usually happens anyway. There's always a burp from actually, me Actually, we somewhere. haven't had an episode of Burp Along with Sean in a while. No. You usually just burp in the episode and be done with it. You know what else we haven't had in a long time? It just occurred to me. What's that? This week in Robotron. No, we haven't. I don't think and we're just gonna... mentioning it does not oh. count either. And I think we might have it today. We have to actually have real content. We might have it today because of what we're going to be talking about. Oh. Yes. Ah. Let's oh, see. So, Sean, you might be wondering what I've been up to lately. No. Oh, I didn't think so. Yeah, screw you. Um <laughs> Uh, <laughs> We're like this all the time. Yes, <laughs> the waxy, wacky funsters that we are. And um, oh, I'm just still looking for a job and playing my uh, collector vision. And uh, I've actually me. hooked my Adladen. Uh, what was it? CV? Is it the, the Super CV? It's sitting yep, right here. CV. I had to look at the label. Um, hooked it up to my vision adapter, and I've been playing with it in Mame. And actually, a few games in um, in Stella. And have you downloaded the uh, the uh, work in progress ROM for Zookeeper for the twenty six hundred yet? <sighs> I have not. I have. It's awesome. Whole yeah. Champ Willie is downplaying it. Willie is downplaying it. He's being restrained on his opinion. Yeah. It's it's holy crap. Is it awesome? Yes, is I think the is. better way of putting it. It's really good. I was originally thinking there was a, a problem with the movement in it, Mm-mm. but then I stopped using right. my um, my 8-bit though um, arcade joystick and you started using the CV, and it, it was a problem with the uh, 8-bit though being an yep. uh, a 8-way joystick and not a 4-way. Okay, is it on the is it on Atari Age in the programmers forum? It's it's on the uh, the Zookeeper, the main Zookeeper page from Champ Games. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you can't find it, I can I can get you the ROM. Yeah, I'm going to get it now. The only thing I don't like about it, and this is just a work in progress, so obviously as tw- tweaking is coming, is I think he jumps a little too weirdly in the, uh, in the not the bonus stage, because it's not really a bonus stage, but in the stage with the platforms moving back and forth with the monkeys throwing the coconuts yes, down. Yes, I noticed that too. Yeah, but uh, like, again, it's a work in progress. Yep. And it goes up to, is it four stages? Five stages? It has all three of the main stages. The main zookeeper stage, that platform stage, and the uh, win a free life 
win a free life stage. <laughs> As we discussed in our Zookeeper episode with the arcade game, yeah, you can win a free life by going through it, but if you lose a life on that stage, it also counts as losing a life, and you have to pass it, so it's not a bonus stage. Yeah, yeah I'm not, I don't see any ROMs at all on Champ Games' site. Okay, well, I can get you the I can get you the ROM. That's not a big deal. It's it's an Atari twenty six hundred page. I could probably send you like one punch card, and uh, <laughs> yeah, please please send it over. Yeah, I'll get that to you. It's 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 really really like amazing. Now, oh, like now? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I want to see know. this mofo. I'm gonna put it on my harmony cart. <laughs> okay. Well, let me uh, go into. Oh, and speaking of uh, which, while while we await uh, for Jimmy the G, I Hi. am happy to say I finally got my Midwest Gaming Classic ticket yesterday, and uh, that's uh, Friday the tenth as we're recording this. Cool. Now I just gotta get a hotel reservation. Yeah, that's as people might assume. It's all up in the air for me for this year. I'm just really looking forward to going just to go instead yeah, of having it, a table. As, as much fun as we had having a having a table there. It'll be fun just to go there, just to have fun. Which I have not done in almost 14 years. Hmm. Yeah. And that was when uh, Albert was there. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but then he f- then he found out that uh, Milwaukee is too far to travel. Despite the fact that <laughs> Even he drives to PRGE. Much farther than uh, Portland. <laughs> All right. I uh, gave you the uh, the ROM in, uh, in chat. Okay, so... So, Willie, this is something that happens uh, from time to time. Sean will be actively playing games and ignoring us while I we have talk. not done that in a long time, <laughs> which is a crying shame. But you have done it. I really need to do that more. But you have done it. You yeah. see, that's the key. I don't care how long it was. But And tonight's going to be one of those nights. It sure will. Did you try Wizards of War? I have Champ not games? been playing enough. <sighs> you know what? I, did I get the demo for that one? I don't think I did because <sighs> I've been playing... I've got the Collector Vision Phoenix, and I've been playing that version of Wizard of War. Bite my butt. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, the, the uh, one, that on the, one is on the that one is, is spot on. They, they yeah. did a good job of emulating the Astrocade sound on that one. Yes. By the way, can you spot the person who's bitter that he that his uh, Collector Vision is on pre-order still? Oh no, because <laughs> you know they're not going to like make any more until they get enough orders. And oh, I really, really want my. It's awesome. Like, Especially with the Nintendo NTT controller. The only problem with it, and it's not a huge problem, but it's like the uh, the 2600 core, uh, the interface on that seems to be a bit, uh, a bit clunky. But I do like how they have the 2600 functions keyed to the ColecoVision keypad, though, too. So if yeah, I think it's the number, the number seven is like your game select, and the number eight is like your game reset. So if you can figure that out, it makes it a lot less clunky. But I have come upon an issue where I have all of my 2600 ROMs in folders delineated by uh, by the first letter in the name and it uh, seems to like hang at that point so I'm I'm st- I'm working with them guy with the guys at uh, collector vision about that but um, honestly the main reason you get it is for the ColecoVision and even if it didn't have any other cores or anything else coming, it, it's it's still worth every da- uh, doggone penny. Well, especially since you can play super Holy game module cow. games on it as well. Oh heck yeah! There's some there's some really good ones. Um, mm-hmm. And I believe it's on Collector Vision's website. They do also have an, a ROM pack you can purchase. It's a little pricey, seventy five bucks. But uh, the, if you really think about it, and all the ROMs you get, it's like a buck and a half per ROM at that point. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't remember if it was that one or the Pixel Boy 
There's a version, I think it's the, I think it was Collector Vision had a version of Bomberman for the ColecoVision. I don't remember if that was an SGM game or not. And uh, I've been freaking addicted to that as well. <laughs> In fact, uh, at New Year's, went to a friend's house and I brought my Collector Vision along and I was getting, uh, me and one of my friends were, uh, we're really getting into the head-to-head Bomberman, <laughs> and uh, that's oh, that's, that's a fun multiplayer game. Sean played. You played that uh, Bomberman. I am at, undefeated at Bomberman on the Super Famicom. Yes, that was the that was was that the four-player? They had like yeah. the the tap for it for the yep. Super Nintendo. Yeah, Bomberman's a great game. It's actually one of those games I'm surprised never made it to the arcade. Oh my god! Oh, you're playing the Zookeeper now, aren't you? Holy, oh, oh. <laughs> No, I'm on the uh, the little platform round. Oh my! Yeah, yeah. The jumping's a bit of an issue on that, but yeah. again, it's way early in programming, so it's to be expected. I'm sure they'll straighten some of that yeah. out. But supposedly they have the, uh, as I was saying, the cage or the screen where you got to jump the animals to get the free life at the top. And supposedly it's there. I say that because I've not really made it far in the demo. So, what's Willie been up to, Willie? What's, yes, Willie. What have you been up to? Oh, besides traveling. Uh... Not a whole lot. Uh, been trying Gremlin to catch guy. up on making some videos and working on some other projects I've been messing with, electronic projects and stuff. But not a whole lot. So yeah, if, uh, first of all, I'm going to put a plug out there. If you haven't um, checked out Willie's YouTube channel, Arcade USA, do it as soon as you're done listening to this, or before you even started listening to this. Or so while you're listening, really. Why? Well, just turn the volume down and listen to us because we're audio oh, yeah. and he's video. So you can you can you can yeah. do that. You, there's a way Multitasking. to do that. Multitasking. And uh, I actually have an Arcade USA sticker on my laptop. Ah, shart. Um, so <laughs> sorry, I just I just lost a life. Sorry. Shart. So Sean, do we have any uh, addenda, errata, news, feedback, whatever? I don't um, think we do. Actually, actually. Hold on a sec. Yay, my hero. Okay. Do 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 do. All right. Um, we do have a feedback from uh, we we heard from uh, this kind gentleman before, and uh, we also uh, got one from him now, and that's uh, Airshack. Oh, yeah. Who uh, took my advice as to getting the NBA Jam book? Oh yes, yes, yes. Do tell. Oh, okay. And he says, and I quote, I believe it's worth mentioning that this book is far more than simply an NBA Jam book. I was delighted. Let me turn off my uh, seventy-eight hundred here. Uh, <laughs> ah, there we go. I was delighted to Very learn so much about the Chicago pinball and computer gaming scene. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot about that in that book. Uh, anyway, he goes on to say, highlights for me were the breakdown of when and what happened to Midway Bally and Gottlieb, which I believe is German for "got love." By the way, uh-huh. it's always great to find out that not every innovation in video gaming was created in Boston, Seattle, or Silicon Valley. Props to Chicago. Uh, he forgot to mention Japan, but oh well. Um, anyway, he says, uh, did you know that Illinois is also home to Plato, which produced the world's first email, instant messaging, plasma displays, and multiplayer network gaming? Uh, I'm going to interrupt myself and say, no, I did not know that, but it doesn't really surprise me, given like the uh, Chicago area's history of like telephonic experimentation and stuff. Uh, that Chicago doesn't really-, doesn't really get enough credit for being a, uh, a being a tech hub. As we've talked about in many, many episodes of this podcast, that it was, if you think about companies that were situated here in the Chicago area and the, the companies that actually had a uh, 
a remote office here in Chicago. Chicago was pretty much the center of the American video game industry. Yeah. It's a big tech hub now. Oh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, historian, uh, tech historians often forget about the significance of work done by freshwater folks. And uh, that's what he had to say. And uh, he recommended, uh, let's see, what did he recommend? Uh, the Friendly Orange Glow, the untold story of the Plato system and the dawn of cyberculture by Brian Deere. And we shall link that in the show notes at piefactorypodcast.com, which hopefully soon we'll have a, have a uh, better site up there. Mm-hmm. Our webmaster is working on it right now. Is Hyde doing the, the website? Oh, hell no, I'm doing it. Oh, good. Whew. Hyde just does audio work. He, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, he hasn't met Hyde, has he? <laughs> no. Mm. Well, we had uh, Phil the No Swear Gamer on. Phil got to meet Hyde, and yeah. um, <laughs> that was a that was a situation. We'll just leave it at that. Let's let's just say he he um, will. Let's just say that Phil almost uh, dropped the word no from his uh, from his title. So uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, I got one thing I gotta give Phil props for is that he was very diplomatic in how he handled that. That is true. <laughs> handled it, handled it. Yeah, that is true. He, he's that always true. he's. I've always known to be diplomatic and friendly about things. So, yeah. So, hide the man, the enigma. Oh, there is one thing that I, I forgot to mention. Uh, yeah. As you know, Jimmy G, and anybody who's listened to this podcast regularly, last year. When we signed off, my sign off would be a redundancy. Oh yes! And the year before, it was my sign off would be a oxymoron. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do this year. I really don't. Hmm. How about uh, just two words that don't sound like they should go together? Like what? <laughs> Xanax buffet. No, that doesn't work if you just put two words together. They have to be <laughs> already together. But shouldn't. But, but that's that's almost an oxymoron, though. So forget it. Yeah, true. How about a pun? End up with a pun. Hmm. That could be a thing. It could be. Hey, as a uh, Joliet Catholic graduate, I had Father Ray Foster as a teacher, so I have a lot of weapons in my pun arsenal. Or should I say weapons? And don't forget that we were both friends of one Matthew Horn. Oh my God. Who was the the undisputed pun master of Northeastern Illinois. No way in hell. He, no way. Uh, 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 uh. No, he is not. But Uh he never was, never had the slightest hope. Trust me, you've Uh never met Father Ray, but unfortunately you never will. He would have made Matt crawl home crying for mercy. No, he wouldn't because Matt was... uh, Matt was, um, to put it mildly, stubborn, and uh, even when we no, got into arguments and I me. proved him wrong on things, he would still not admit that you, I was right. You have to trust me on this. In short, Matt should have been a politician. Maybe that's why they're, they're both no longer with us. The, mm, it was the be. just the just the power of puns. Could oh, could be the powers oh, of pun. Power of puns compelled them. So Willie, you see what's going <laughs> on here? Jim's trying to. Them. Jim is trying to kill me <laughs> <laughs> by making me work in punnery. Punnery. <laughs> punnery in Punjabi. So is that all the uh, news, addenda, errata messages we have? I don't think we have anything from Eugenio uh, this time around. No, you know what's going to happen? We're going to get something from him tomorrow. Yes, that's happened before. That, that, yeah, that's what it'll, that's what it'll be like. Uh, Willie, do you have anything newsy? Um, yeah, anything? Oh, did you watch the uh, Consumer Electronics Show stuff? I did not. 
I've only been laughing at the stuff that Atari's been doing at the CES. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, at the hotel room outside the CES, like they did at the game show what was yeah. it, last year, year before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I'm pretty stoked about uh, the Arcade 1-Up pinball machines coming out. I did see uh, stuff about the Arcade 1-Up. Uh, they had a ColecoVision mini thing uh, coming yeah, out. Yeah, they got a C64 and a television and an Atari 2600. I'm interested in the C64 one because me never having actually owned a C64, I've been always curious to play one. And I've played it a little bit hither, thither, and and yon over the years, but um, never really sat down to play with one. One of the things, when I was looking at these things, they announced them. It comes like a little simulated TV and everything. Like, you know, the Atari has a little wood grain TV it comes with. You can play the games on a little TV. And I'm thinking, okay, how do you play the games? Are you going to use those little tiny joysticks? (laughs) <laughs> to play the games like that's gonna be really hard for me with my big my big old hands oh god yes i know exactly what you're using chopsticks or something i'm just wondering if those things like the the ColecoVision one looked like the controllers were a bit bigger but the, but those things like with the bazillion buttons yes yeah. but then again the uh the ColecoVision um flashback thing the, those well they were smaller than the original but not too bad that was the thing I hated about the ColecoVision flashback is you couldn't use the overlays no. from the ColecoVision flashback on an actual ColecoVision. Nope. And uh, that that kind of sucked because they were yeah. smaller. They made a lot but of then, mistakes with that yeah. flashback. And I've been trying to find figure a way to uh, use the uh, the overlays on the um, on the Atlantan thing, but I think I'm just going to uh, use a magnet and just put it like right next to the there you go right next to him. To be honest, I. Really, that's a beautiful controller. I really don't want to do much of anything to modify it if I can't. <laughs> the only reason I would modify an Ed Ladin controller is to fit like a Raspberry Pi in there just to have like an all-in-one portable plug-and-play system that I build myself. But that's about it. Huh. Hey, the Ed Ladin controller I have, you can do that without modification at all. You just lift the little thingy. Mm-hmm. And... Well, you'd have to drill a hole for like the power. There, even then, if you use the proper cable, you don't even need to do that. You could just put it through one of the little ventilation slots. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. So, yeah, the, the ever-present topic drift, as it were. Um, um. Um. So anyway, why did we bring Willie here? Why did we yeah, bring Willie here? did you bring me here? <laughs> yeah, because uh, we're tired of working and wanted to pawn it off on someone else. No, it's because... This is one of our seemingly more frequent uh, special episodes, and um, we today are going to be talking about the two different game systems, the Atari 5200 and the uh, GCE Vectrex, not to be confused with GCC. Or GTE. And Willie has uh, experience with both of them, I do believe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we figured, hey, who better to get on instead of having two guests? We'll just uh, we'll economize and have one. Economize, economize. Yeah, but we're so, still paying him for the rate of two guests, though. So, well, sacrifices have to be made, I guess. Yeah, we oh, just yeah. Uh, you know. Okay, let, let's be honest. We were just a little too lazy to find a second person. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we had some ideas, but uh, just things just didn't really work out. But. Um, yeah, one of them was under the impression that we actually research things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> research. <laughs> I laugh. So let's uh, 
You know what? Let's start off with the Vectrex, uh, oh, really? Sean, because okay. you're more experienced with that than I am. All right, and, yeah. And uh, it's the one system I we've talked about I really don't have much experience with other than uh, playing around one with uh, the one you have. I have a little bit more experience, but uh, that's most the most recent experience I have with Well, it. that's funny because it's the same experience I have playing around with the one I have. <laughs> that's but, what she said. Wait. That's what she said, yes. Anyway, uh, yeah, I got a Vectrex kind of accidentally back in probably about 1984-ish, maybe, because a couple of cousins of mine had one, and we were over at their house for Easter or Thanksgiving or something, and... I was playing around in the Vectrex because, man, I really wanted to see that thing. It's like, oh, it's a video game console I never played. And uh, they had a small selection of games, all complete in box, including little paper envelopes that the overlays come in. And I really dug it. And uh, one of my cousins said, why don't you just take it home with you? We're, we're not going to, we don't really play this anymore. I said, really? <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, I am going to be the coolest kid in my class because everybody has either Atari or in television, but me, I now have two video game systems. I don't know of anybody else who can make that claim. Haha, <laughs> I'm going to be so cool. Uh, by the way, folks, uh, I was not. I was not the coolest kid in the class. <laughs> no one cared that I had two video game systems now. <laughs> but I really liked it. I liked how smooth and detailed it was as compared to, say, the 2600, because I noticed right away like how defined everything was while opposed to the 2600, which was very blocky and pixely. I mean, I was what nine years old at the time. I didn't know about vector graphics and stuff. I didn't know there was a special monitor you needed for those. So I, I just attributed it to, well, they just decided to go with this black and white thing and everything happens to be just <laughs> outlines. So I didn't know better. And, uh, the games that I walked away with the games that my cousins had. Uh, this was a GCE made Vectrex, not the, uh, was it Milton Bradley that, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. So this was uh, pre Milton Bradley came with two controllers mm. and the, of course it had the built in Mindstorm game. Uh, there was also scramble, which is the very first Vectrex game I ever played. And it was years before I learned that that scramble was actually an arcade game too. Uh, let's see what else berserk, which I did know mm. was an arcade game. Solar Quest, which I only found out a couple of years ago was an arcade game. <laughs> and uh, what was the other one? Uh, Starhawk or Nighthawk? The one where you have, it's one of those. Yeah, Starhawk, where it's, uh, those of you who have never seen it, it's uh, I think it's a Cinematronics arcade game, but it's uh, one of those things where you move a target around the screen, you just shoot things. Mm -hmm. And I think that was, I think that was everything. And sometime after I had gotten that Vectrex, I had heard from somebody that uh, there was this, uh, there was a place uh, where I lived at the time. I lived in the greater metropolitan Kankakee area. And in Kankakee was a place called Carriage Lane Mall, which wasn't really a mall. It was basically just this big, giant, huge warehouse kind of divided up into individual shops. And one of the shops there had apparently a huge pile of brand of like new stock or new old stock or something of Star Trek for the Vectrex. So I nagged my dad into driving me there. And sure enough, there was a, there was a whole butt ton of them for five bucks a pop. So I walked away with one of those. And so I had a, that was my collection of Vectrex games right there. It wasn't very big and I never got any more after that, but I really, really enjoyed it. I discovered how buggy Mindstorm was. Yep. <laughs> yep. 
because sometimes it would crash after uh, the 13th minefield. Uh, sometimes <laughs> it would skip. Sometimes it would skip levels. Uh, th- things like that. It was it was crazy. And of course, I I actually loved discovering bugs. Uh, I just that's when I oh I discovered a bug in the Activision Decathlon, which I'm sure I was not the first or the last. And part and the reason I'm mentioning that is because I used a Vectrex controller with that game. Because the thing is, let's face it, if we had controllers that fit other systems, we would try them. Yeah. We would try try plugging the paddles in for joystick games to see what happens. (laughs) I'll never forget uh, when I plugged the Atari 7800 controller into my Atari ST and the Atari ST froze up. (laughs) They're not compatible with the ST. (laughs) That's a good thing for the ST. That it's not compatible with those. Oh things. right, because the seventy eight hundred joystick is trash. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. So, okay. so yeah, that we. I mean, we all discovered that. Hey, the buttons on the paddle controllers correspond to left and right in the joystick. Turns out that the buttons on the Vectrex controller one and two correspond to up and down, three and four to left and right. So I actually used a Vectrex controller to play the running games on the Activision Decathlon, and that was awesome. I would hold down button number three and repeatedly tap four. And I'd always get the little at the end of the races, and that was so cool. Uh, but that's how the two systems kind of crossed over. And because the thing is, the way the joystick ports are on the Vectrex, you can't really do the other way around. You can't plug, say, an Atari CX40 into that thing because you would need to mm-hmm. actually cut a little layer off of the uh, the DB9 plug on the Atari controller to get it to fit because of the way it is. Yep. So that's basically a brief. Well, I know I've told this story before. It's a short story, but it was, I believe, uh, Thanksgiving 1986. Everybody in our family was over for Thanksgiving, including some cousins of mine that I had really only just recently met because they lived in San Diego for most of my life up to that point. And they had just moved to Wisconsin. So we were getting to see them a lot more. And my little cousin, Alex, he was about five years old. He really loved the Vectrex, and I hadn't played it in a while. And my mom said, you know what? It looks like Alex really likes that Vectrex. You don't play that a lot, do you? I said, no, I hardly ever touch it anymore. She said, why don't you let him take it home with him? And I Uh-oh. said, mom, that's a great idea. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So one of the dumbest things I ever did in my life. Because, <laughs> man... Looking back, that was a terrible decision, and I regretted it later in life. That was one of the very few regrets in life that I ever had. And thing is, like, it wasn't until like just recent years that I started to regret it. And I don't, I'm not really in touch with my extended family all that much. Nothing against them. I'm just terrible at keeping in touch with people. But when my grandmother died 10 years ago, I saw my cousin Alex at her funeral. He lives in Utah now, but he flew out for the funeral. And I was so tempted, but I figured, no, now's not a good time to ask if he still has it and if he'd mind uh, returning it. So it's like, oh, sad about grandma. By the way, the Vectrex. By the way. Oh, by the way. But that's my first generation Vectrex story. So how about you, Willie? How did you uh, get started in with the Vectrex? Well, I didn't get my Vectrex until about 2013. Really? <gasps> yeah. When they... Oh. Uh, when they originally were coming out uh, in 83 or somewhere around in there, that was the same year that I got my driver's license. So, you know, video games took a back seat and it was nothing but motors and chicks for like the next <laughs> 10 years. 
until I met my wife. Uh, then I started getting back into video games again. But I was out roaming around the flea markets. Uh, it was back in early 2013, and I ran across a Vetrix system uh, at a flea market for 50 bucks. So I picked it up. Wow. And, uh, you know, it works fine. It's the one I still use today. And since then, I've picked up maybe three or four other Vetrix units that have had problems that I've fixed and either gave to friends or I sold nice. the last one I had that I fixed. I absolutely love the machine. It's it's actually a really cool machine. If you ever get a chance to try out the 3D imager on it, you really need uh-huh. to. I have. I actually have. Uh, back, wow. Late 80s, early 90s, I went to uh, visit somebody I met online in Chicago, uh, me and a friend of mine, uh, who was a, he was actually an author for, a writer for Video Games Magazine, I think it was, huh. and um, he was also a stand-up comedian, figure this, figure that out, and he had a uh, Vectrex with one of the imagers, and very, very primitive in mm-hmm. the way the 3D worked, but mm-hmm. uh, the important thing is that it worked, and it worked really well. It works extremely well. You know, so I had heard about that thing back in the day because my friend, uh, my best friend Todd, when I was a little kid, he talked about how he heard there was this Mindstorm cartridge yep. and a little helmet you put on your head, and yep. I thought he was lying to me. Mindstorm 3D. So why don't you uh, why don't you explain uh, what the 3D imager is and how it works, Willie? Well, basically what it is, there's a rotating disc inside the uh, the visor that spins at a certain rate, and it blocks your eyes and the... The Vetrix will make different images depending on where that disc is, and it gives it a false 3D look, but but it makes it in color and has depth to it. It looks like it's popping right out of the screen. It's actually really So it's naturally really color. Good. It's not like an overlay or anything. Well, it's, it's a colored disc. I think it's got oh, right, black, okay. green, and red, if I remember huh. right, and a circular disc. It's kind disc. of a primitive, primitive version of uh, Sega's 3D glasses for the Master System. Yeah, where the, those had just like shutters that would close. Just that flash, left. right. This had a disc that would spin inside the visor. Right. But it, it didn't... Let's be honest. You looked like you you looked like a freak while wearing that thing, well, but I it was still it pretty cool. cool. I mean, well, the, the first time I well, got to experience one cool. was out at the Classic <laughs> Gaming Expo in Las Vegas in 2014. Uh, Chris Romero brought his 3D oh, imager yeah. out there, and I was able to try it in the console game room that I ran. And he also brought out a uh, a Flappy Bird that was running on a Vetrix on a little round oscilloscope monitor. It was pretty cool as well. Now, am I correct in hearing that that someone is making new versions of this thing? I haven't heard that. Oh, okay. And uh, Willie, since you uh, have experience with this thing, uh, I'm guessing that because there are moving parts in it that it makes noise. I didn't really notice and, it that much. Oh, okay. It's or was it that the uh, the buzz from the Vectrex just kind of yeah, overrides the, it? The buzz from the Vectrex is kind of loud. There, there is a kit that you can get to get the buzz out of it, but yeah. I didn't do it to mine because that's just part of the charm of the machine. Oh yeah, I totally agree. And plus, I don't trust myself to not get like majorly electrocuted. Well, you know, <laughs> if, 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 you really shouldn't be messing around with. Uh, high voltage TV tubes and stuff, unless you know what you're doing. I see a lot of people cracking these open that have no experience with electronics. Uh, And I keep waiting for the big pop to occur. Yeah. Yeah, You should really mess with them. Yeah, I agree. In fact, there's a a Vectrex emulator. Yes. That I have on my iPhone where you can actually choose that as an option to have the buzz there or not have it there. Yep. And yeah, it's, it's gotta be. And the thing is the buzz is not the, the buzz is there because of poor design. Let's be, honest here well it was it no it, was, it wasn't poor design 
someone did a cost-cutting measure and uh, introduced that. The original one didn't have the buzz, the one that Jay oh, Smith really? designed. It was when it went into production, somebody changed something and the buzz appeared. Huh. Jay Smith talked about that at, out at the CGE, where he also had a prototype color vetrix out there as well. Oh man! I've heard about that. Yeah. I wanted to see. I've wanted to see that. Yeah, he did a really nice presentation out there. It's on video. You can find it on YouTube, mm. uh, where he talks about the color vetrix and everything. And uh, I, it would have been cool if that could have come out. Yeah, there was actually at uh, Midwest Gaming Classic in 2018. The Guys Games and Beer video uh, channel. They used to be a podcast, but I think they are now just video. They always have this massive room at the uh, oh, yeah. Midwest Gaming Classic. And one thing they had in 2018. Well, they was had two Drunken things. Larry. They had two things. I don't think it was Larry that had that. But they had two no, things. No, but I'm like, saying they had Drunken Larry. Well, they always, oh, yeah. But, He's a great guy. But, but uh, there's... Tom Dunk, who I think is uh, one of the, well, they're all the main people, really. I think they have a, but he's, uh, uh, if you guys, if you ever hang out with uh, the people at Guys Games and Beer, Tom is the one with the braid. He's the, the blonde haired guy with a long braid that's very subtle, but uh, he put together this arcade size Vectrex with a 19, I think it's like a 19 inch monitor. And full-size overlays, too. You just, uh, whenever you choose a game, the overlay would automatically scroll down, and it was really cool. And he told me it took, I think, what, two months to do that? Wow. And next to that, that, there was a true color arcade-size Vectrex. And it was no overlays, but it had a color screen. And Tom told me that the guy who did that took a day to do it. Wow. and it was so cool seeing Mindstorm in full color. I don't know if I don't think any other games were available at least that day. I don't think the full color version was it was there last year. The uh, Tom's uh, auto select one was, but the full color one wasn't. I didn't see it, but but that was that was just something so cool to behold. Well, both I of those things. The, were. Uh, I love with the black and white one. What they had is you would select the game off of the menu, and then they had like a scroll, like a, a cellophane scroll with the correct. Um, overlay on it and the, the the device you say like you chose uh i don't know scramble the thing would scroll until the scramble overlay was over the screen <laughs> and it was just so it was very clever but yeah how about uh how about the games for the system how about them how about them like i said i have very very limited experience with, with the system itself but i've played oh. a few and I, I want you to talk about uh I want you to talk about Vector Pilot. We've brought it up on the show before, but uh, I want you to talk about that because I first saw that at your place. Yeah. Or when I saw it, well, I'll give it a little, I'll talk about it a little bit because I played it and I really enjoyed it. And I was shocked, and of course, again, brought this up on the podcast a few times, that when I played Vector Pilot, which is Time Pilot mm-hmm. for the Vectrex, and um, I was shocked to hear, I'm like, wow, that's really good sound, really good music. And then I am like, no, this can't be. And then I researched online and found out that the Vectrex has the exact same sound chip as the arcade time pilot. Mm-hmm. And I was my mind was just blown that it got, you know, that that it had that because very few exception, the uh, home game systems didn't have like mo- many similar components to uh, the arcade except for maybe like the Z80 chip and actually the other system we're going to be talking about in a little bit actually had an arcade sound chip as well, but we'll get to that. And, uh, yeah, that really amazed me, because that thing, the Vectrex had solid sound thanks to that chip. Every 
every game off of that system. It could be the worst game in the library, and it had awesome sound effects, awesome music, the whole nine yards. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can get some uh, music packs, like from Chris Binary Star, of music you can play on the Vetrix, like, you know, the Star Wars Cantina themes, uh, Christmas music. And it sounds really cool. You can get the Star Wars Cantina music in any conceivable format and any conceivable platform. Yeah. <laughs> of course, you know. Timex Sinclair 1000. Yeah. Of course, you know, if you have, you get the light pin for it, that's a lot of fun to play with with the uh, animation program yeah, on the, the Vetrix. what's the deal with that? I have never played with a light pin. Oh, the light pin is awesome. You can, uh, you know, do animations, draw pictures. There's a melody master where you can make music and stuff, you know, drawing notes on the screen. The light pin's a really cool accessory to get for the Vetrix. That might be something to think about. Yeah. You can actually get some that are home that are homebrew pins if you can't find an original that work yeah. really oh, well. Oh, that must be what I was thinking about when I thought it was the, uh, the, the spinny thing, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I forgot to mention the other game that I had. There was another game that I had that I inherited from my cousins, and that was Clean Sweep. Oh, yeah. Which was basically the Vectrex Pac-Man clone. Kind of, yeah. Except instead of uh, Pac-Man and monsters, you were a staple remover being pursued by vacuum cleaners or something. Pretty much. Well, <laughs> well, actually, you, were, you weren't really a staple remover. It's just your character looked like a staple remover. And you had to go around <laughs> maze, collect. You were in a bank vault that was blown up. And you have to go around uh, sucking up all these, uh, all the money that was that that the uh, the robbers who are chasing you, or, or is it the robbers? That, no, okay, you control a vacuum cleaner. The robbers are staple removers. That's what they are. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you have to empty out your bag every periodically because it fills yep. up. Yep. And of course, one of the highest sought after collectibles in video gaming is the Mister Boston version of Clean Sweep. Which is one of those <laughs> things that the Mr. Boston company had, I think, what, what do they do, hand it out to employees or something? I believe so, yeah. Is that the story? And I think those things go for like four or five digits easily. Uh, it's basically the same game, except instead of your vacuum cleaner, you control the Mr. Boston uh, hat logo, I think. And instead of clean sweep, it says Mr. Boston clean sweep on the uh, overlay in the box and things. Yep. From what I understand, that Mr. Boston was like a heavily one of the classic stories of uh, game counterfeiting in... Uh, oh, I imagine. In uh, the retro game area, I guess <laughs> you could say. Yeah, that and Pepsi Invaders probably, too. Yeah. So I, I only know very... I know very little about that story. But as long as we're talking about software, the one thing I really would have really... Well, I still wouldn't have gotten it because, I, A, I didn't have a job. And my parents didn't... B, my parents didn't want another game system. But one thing, if I did have my own money, would have pushed me over the edge to getting a Vectrex is if Atari Soft had actually released games for it. Mm. That would have been freaking awesome to play like actual Asteroids and Tempest on that thing. Oh, yeah. How freaking awesome would that have been? Oh, Uh, yeah. Would be great. There is a kind of work in progress version of Tempo, uh, Tempest. Tempo? Tempest on the Sean Kelly multi-cart. And man, if they they could actually finish that thing, it would be freaking amazing because what they have right now is stunning mm-hmm. wasn't there a uh, a moon patrol yes for the vectrex vector, vector patrol. patrol yep vector patrol i almost accidentally ordered that instead of vector pilot because i wanted vector pilot oops. oops but no i 
Yeah, I probably Dang it, I didn't get the good game I wanted. I probably I got sh- a good game I didn't want. <laughs> I probably should get Vector Patrol. I will eventually. Don't worry. But yeah, there's a really <laughs> good homebrew scene out there for Vectrex. Oh yeah, they got Galaxian. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I understand. Some other uh, Space Invaders and a lot of neat games. And Rockeroids, of course. Rockeroids? Yeah, Rockeroids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what else? Yeah, I got a couple of the homebrews. Uh, but like I have um, Asteroid Cowboy, which, hmm, I know I have more than that. Hold on a sec. Ta- uh, you two talk between yourselves. So how are you, Willie? Oh, pretty good. See, what homebrew do I got sitting here? Oh, Oh, I've yeah, got and Big Blue. The Big Blue, the developer of Big Blue actually sent that to me as a gift. Oh, wow. That's cool. And I think Bobby Adod Moore sent me uh um Asteroid Cowboy as a as a gift, I think. So that was that was really cool. And those are fun games too. Uh Big Blue is basically a fishing game and it's it's a really okay. cool thing. You have to uh make sure that your line doesn't get snagged on a shark or something. Oh, neat. It's a fun game to play. I really highly enjoy it. But uh, anyway, yeah, so I guess I, I, because I'm so egotistical, I could talk about my next gen Vectrex, which uh, uh, Vectrex story, I should say, was uh, after all this regret of not having a Vectrex, I decided on something. I mentioned in the, uh, actually, yeah, I mentioned in the previous podcast cannibalism. episode. I decided on cannibalism. Yeah. And um, finger licking good, isn't it? But anyway, I was, uh, I mentioned how I'm not from a rich family at all, at all. But despite that, every year at Christmas, my parents like to give a rather generous amount of cash to people. I think it's a tradition handed down from my grandparents, actually. And I had thought that this year wasn't going to happen because my mother had quit her job earlier or her contract ended or something. And she decided she wasn't going to work anymore unless, uh, something really, really good came up like that she could drive like five minutes to. But, uh, <laughs> so she's like, Oh, so I'm, this is going to be the last time I pay for dinner for all of us because you know, I'm not going to have that income anymore. So I thought there was going to be no cash envelope. So we're over there for Christmas and we leave and I, I noticed there wasn't a cash envelope. So I was like, Oh, no cash this year, but we're about halfway home and my phone rings. My wife answers it. And it was my mother. She said, I forgot to give you your envelopes. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, but yeah, there were envelopes this year. But anyway, like I, this was um, two years ago. Yeah, it was two years ago, I think. Yeah, two years ago, I used the cash that I got from my parents to buy a Vectrex from uh, a user on Atari.io. Nice. And it came shipped nicely. It arrived in perfect condition. Came with a joystick and Sean Kelly Multicart 2.5. Ooh. This thing cost me 300 bucks for, but that was, I thought it was a really good deal though for what I got. It included shipping. It came with the, the multi cart, came with a joystick controller. Uh, not in the best shape in the world, but it does work. It is in full working condition. So I had that going for me. And yeah, and I eventually got the new Sean Kelly multi cart, the 3.0. I think he's done a new one since, but I have 3.0 in a clear case. Uh, I actually went to Sean Kelly's store to see mm-hmm. if I could get that in person. And he said, oh, uh, actually, I don't bring those to the store. If I, you should have called, I would have brought one. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you know, screw it. I, I just And while I was in his store, I actually went on eBay and bought it. <laughs> He's like, oh, I just got a sale. Is that you by any chance? I said, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. He actually signed mine for me. 
<laughs> and remember, that's S. Kelly, not R. Kelly. S. Kelly. S. Kelly. Yes. Every single time we mention Sean <laughs> Kelly. I have to do that. It's, it's the gonna, obvious You're joke. probably also one of those people, and any time anybody mentions Tom Skilling, you have to bring up his brother. Actually, no, I'm not one of those. Okay. You're two of those. Um, yeah, sure. Let's go okay. with that. All right. But yeah, at this point, though, I, I'm not buying any more cartridges since I have the, the Sean Kelly multi-cart, unless it's like a homebrew or something. You can't get on a multi-cart. Well, I, you can't on mine. I got one made by Richard Hutchison that uses an SD card for the Vetrix. Oh, I was just going to ask if the one of those existed. Yeah, it did. I don't know if he makes any makes them anymore, but I got one. I do have the Mateos multi-cart that I have yet to use on this thing, though. That's right. Uh, Juan Mateos made uh, mm-hmm. made one of those. I forgot yeah, about Yeah, Vectrix that. was actually his specialty, I think. Yeah, I still wish I, we could find out what happened with him, because yeah. he was making some good stuff there. And then just all of a sudden, no contact with anybody. Yeah. I don't hope he's okay. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. But um, if anybody knows what's up with him, let, let us know. Let us know. At least let us know that he's okay. But uh, yeah, so I have that and the Sean Kelly multi-cart. So the thing is, I, I just don't have room to have these like massive cart collections that other people have. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, the Vectrex cartridge packaging is so cool, though. Mm-hmm. And the homebrews tend to follow it. Uh, you get a box, an outer box, like normal, like with any other cartridge-based console system. And there's a uh, shiny white plastic insert that holds the cartridge. And you get a instruction manual, duh, and an overlay that fits perfectly within the box. And it comes, and the overlay is in a uh, white envelope. Mm-hmm. What, or not really an envelope, but yeah, well, it's an envelope for all practical purposes. And yeah, so that's that. Uh, and also, because, well, that which is one downside to using only multi carts that you don't get the overlays, you don't get the manuals. But there, oh, I wish I didn't remember the guy's name off the top of my head because I got some of his overlays. There's somebody who makes overlays for the Vectrex, and I suddenly can't think of his name. Willie, do you remember his name? I know who you're talking about because he, he's sent me quite a few of them. Yeah, I can't and, uh, remember his th- name. Yeah, they're not as thick and sturdy as the original ones, but they still work. They're a little bit of a challenge to fit in, but once they do, you're glad you have them. He he makes custom ones too. Like there's like generic overlays that are not really tailored to any particular game, just in case you want to give your monochrome screen a little bit of a uh, spice. Like he does a tie dye overlay, and of course, I'm eventually gonna get. And yeah, I am uh, doing a search right now for. Uh, <laughs> In the Vectrex fans unite. I don't uh, know if it. Uh, Stephen Cray keeps popping in my mind. That's it. That's it. Is that yeah. who it is? Yeah, he sent me some of those tie dye overlays and stuff to try out. Those things are awesome. Oh, Especially drink a lot of absinthe and turn all the lights off. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the one uh, homebrew card I have on my shelf is from Binary Star Software. It's the combo cartridge that has Death Race, the arcade game on it, Ooh. and Knox, which is a like a super sprint. With two overlays inside the box. Sweet. Yeah, Death Race is awesome. Death Chase, I mean. Oh, Death Chase, yeah. yeah. Oh, Death Chase, okay. Well, yeah, it's, Death it's, Race is the arcade game that they That's what this is based on. It's like the oh, arcade okay. game. Oh, that awesome. violent, gory racing game, Death Race. Run oh, it over God. zombies. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've played that at Galloping Ghost. I might have. I don't know. I can't find it at Galloping Ghost. Every time I'm there, this is... It's, I, in I the, it's, it's in the back of the arcade along the wall in the main room. That's where it's been. It's, it's like by uh, where near the uh, the sit down uh, Omega race is. Oh, it's like really? Right yeah. in that area. Oh, dude! I know we're going back and forth, but 
I discovered such one. Well, I not discovered. It's I have like, such sights to show. It was you. it was like around for thirty seven years, of course, but still, I discovered it. Um, the bliss that is playing the cockpit version of Sinistar. Oh, oh man, yeah. that's the first Sinistar I ever played. Was the the sit down and oh. Oh man, it, it's not a game you think would work well in a in a sit down, but oh boy, does it ever work well! Oh, because you mentioned the sit down Omega race, which I also love big time. Oh. I love the control scheme on that. How you have the dial on one side and then the buttons on the other, mm-hmm. like you're like like you're Captain Kirk in that thing. Yep. You just let your arms hang down. It's so cool, but yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, anyway, because we often sit down. Is there a uh, Willie? Do you know if there's a Vectrex equivalent to Omega race? So I would love to get that if there is, because Vectrex would be perfect for that. See, that's not Ripple, no. Uh, the ColecoVision Vectrex is pretty decent. Ugh, the ColecoVision is, Vectrex? Or the ColecoVision Omega Race. What the heck am I saying? <laughs> you were saying ColecoVision, you were saying ColecoVision the Vectrex. The ColecoVision Omega Race is pretty good, and it's, and it's loaded with options, too. I'll have to remember that if I ever get my Collector Vision Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I don't really know if they have an. I don't think they have a mega race on the Vectrex. I don't remember seeing one. Uh, oh, I would love to have that for the. Yeah. Was was Omega Race by Cinematronics? Off the, I don't remember off the top. That was of Bailey Midway. Yeah. Oh, Bailey Midway. Okay, it was Bailey Midway. There are a lot of Cinematronics games out for the Vectrex, and they're all really cool. Like oh, Star Castle. Star Cat. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. And then there was uh, Cosmic Chasm that started on the Vectrex and yes, it actually became yes. an arcade game. Yes. I just played that for the first time about I like a year ago. I like that game a lot. That's oh. fun. It really is. And it's such a, a cool game. game. Such a creatively conceived game. It's got like a reactor feel, but it's also got yes. kind of like a bubble bobble in the arcade, how you can like choose your path to go, or, or an outrun where you can like choose your path to get to the final goal. It has that kind of a, a thing going on with it too. Hmm. I mean, there are many different paths you can take to get to the main like reactor in the in the complex yes mm-hmm. there are two paths you can go by but in the long run there's still other games that i like on that system called uh, uh by, <laughs> oh, good um, segue by um or transition oh, cinema cinematronics of course there there must have been some kind i don't see this is what happens when you don't do any research because hey i'm only talking about my memories i'm not talking about the yeah. facts but there must have been some kind of a like package deal with cinematronics because there was so many cinematronics games converted to vectrex and they work really well like uh armor dot 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 attack <laughs> that one i love that in the arcade and i love it on the vectrex uh so cool was the uh, cinematronics game warrior on the you vectrex? Know, i think it was either a prototype or a homebrew okay warrior would be so co- i i played that once that, a few that's years a homebrew, ago i believe i think okay. okay oh that's that makes me feel good yeah i think i think that's a homebrew on there that's a game you cannot play in emulation too well. Is that a is that a two player only game? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, it is. All right. So it's and like the thing a is when you play that sword in the arcade. <laughs> and when you play that game in emulation, the arcade version of that in emulation on Mame, unless you have the overlay on it, yes. uh, you're going to lose a lot of <laughs> lives because there are pits in the game yes. that while they're programmed into the game. You, you don't there's no representation from the uh, from the game. Nope. It's yeah. all like painted on. So without that, even if you have the if you have the arcade game and that outer glass broke, I mean you're screwed unless you can get a, a replacement. Because it's uh, yeah, that was a weird one. I, when I played that in emulation the first time, I'm like thinking, what the heck is happening? Why is my guy just spinning around and getting smaller? Oh, here you go, Sean. Yep. There is there is a homebrew Omega Chase Deluxe. 
I thought so. Okay. Oh, I got to get that. I cyborg on there too. Oh, thanks. Well, thanks for that heads up Ooh, there. Gravitrix really. Plus. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And uh, what, what other cinematronics game? There was uh, Solar Quest, I think, was a cinematronics game. Last I checked, I still have the Twin Galaxies high score on that. I love Solar Quest and the Vectrex. So much fun. So much fun. That is good. Uh, it's basically an asteroids clone in a way, and there's a sun in the middle of the screen that you have to avoid. Mm-hmm. When you shoot another ship, it leaves behind an asterisk that's supposed to be an astronaut, and you have to rescue the astronaut, and it's just, it's really, it's a really cool game. Um, oh, the guy who did, um, the guy who did Omega Chase Deluxe on the Vectrex is the same guy that did Space Instigators for the 2600. Hmm. Ah. And it looks like he's got a Tempest clone. Hold on. Yeah, called, uh, called Tsunami. Oh, yeah, spelled with a T, T-S, yeah. Yeah, huh. and you can download the binary from his website. Yeah. C-T-U-M-B-E-R dot com. Tsunami. Christopher Tumber. Hmm. Collector's Edition, Tsunami. Wow. Yeah. I have got to try that in an emulator. Hmm. Interesting. Retro oh, gaming for connoisseur. Uh, do you continue? Yeah, and... Of course, I was just thinking of uh, how I only have one controller for this Vectrex. I forgot I also have an adapter. You can get an adapter that'll let you use a Sega Genesis controller mm-hmm. on a Vectrex. It turns one of the, uh, it's either start or select into one of the other, would be one start. of the four buttons. Yeah. I have one of those with a Hyperkin clone and they work really well, at least on mine. And I still have to try the wireless Genesis controller, see if it works with that. It works with the 7800 and the Ed Ladin cable. Here's something really cool you may want to think about. If you could find yourself a Sega Master System light gun, you can make an adapter to use a light gun on the Vectrex to play uh, Whack-A-Mole, Ghostbusters, Skeet Shoot, that are homebrews mm. with a light gun. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what what else is there on the Vectrex that's worth mentioning? Have you played? Um, well, you've you probably played it because you got the multi cart, but um, uh, the version of pole position on it. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, I was shocked at how good that is. It's weird seeing that game, which is a, a raster game on the Vectrex. Now it's obviously it's been done before. Uh, Scramble and Berserk come to mind. Yeah. But yeah, that was so weird seeing that one because. Being a Namco game, it's not a uh, a company that uh, Vectrex really licensed. Although Scramble was put in the U.S. by Stern, though, so Scramble and Berserk were on the Vectrex, both by Stern. And what I love about the uh, there are two things I really love about the Vectrex Berserk, and not necessarily for good for good reason. <laughs> for one thing, is the Vectrex Berserk is prone to severe slowdown if there are enough robots and bullets on the screen. Yep, and your legs are kind of invincible to a degree. Like you can actually just above your knees, you can touch a wall and be completely safe. So sometimes what I like to do is when I'm exiting a maze, I will exit to the right such that the wall goes up to my knee. And then when the new maze generates, I get electrocuted right away. (laughs) I love that. I don't know. And then by somebody did a version of Berserk called Verzerk that uses the Atari Vox. Yes. Oh. I have an Atari Vox, but I have not been able to plug it into the Vectrex because of, again, the control port, the controller port. 
and, and yeah, I know I can take an extension cable and trim things off, and yeah, I and I have one. I just haven't done it yet. Well, it's the same situation putting a, one of those on a 7800, from what I understand. All you got to do is take it out of the plastic casing and it'll plug right in, or use an extension cord. I mean, the, pl- the plastic casing pops off really easily without damage. Before we move on, somebody who was new to a Vectrex... What games would you suggest be the games that they would start with to, for their collection? Willie, you want to start us off here? Well, one of my personal favorites is Star Castle. Oh, yeah. But it's expensive. I bet. But then again, is there anything for the Vectric that's really cheap? Mm. Yeah, that's true. Maybe the sports games. <laughs> really, get yourself, if you're going to get into the Vectrex, if you can get yourself a fully functioning Vectrex for a couple of hundred bucks, get that and get a multi cart. That has everything yes. on it. A Sean Kelly multi card yep. or one that uses an SD card. That'd be a better one to yeah. have. Yeah. Yep. And of course, I mentioned how I love Solar Quest. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, armor dot 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 attack, attack. is yeah. great. I love that. I love the arcade version. I love uh, listeners the to the podcast. Know, listeners to the podcast know that Sean is very literal with uh, when it comes to punctuation. Yeah. And of course, Vector Pilot. I love Vector Pilot because I love Time Pilot. That too. is, they, they did such an, a phenomenal job with that. Yeah, breaking into the homebrews with that. Um, oh, oh, what else? What else do I? Uh, something that it's not necessarily my favorite, but it is kind of fun. It's a little bit on the cute side, but it is kind of something you need to play if you have a Vectrex, and that is Spike. Yeah, Molly, Spike, Molly, Spike, Molly, Molly. <laughs> I want to do a John and Marsha kind of thing with just that. Spike! Molly! Spike! Molly! Molly! Sounds like you're saying bully. Molly! 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 I love it. It has built, it has like the speech built right in. It's mm-hmm. just so classic. And if, and you lose a life, darn it! Yeah, darn it! Darn it! Darn it! And the way that Spike talks, it sounds like someone just punched him in the gut. And a lot of homebrew titles actually use the Spike character. And like there's, was it Spike Hoppin', which is uh, Qbert? Mm-hmm. I have noticed that. Yeah. And the thing is, though, they didn't get the voice quite down because the other Spike games where he talks, he has kind of a higher-pitched voice. It's not like this. <laughs> but, yeah, those are some anything, of my favorites. Uh, anything more we need to talk about about the Vectrex before we uh, move on to the next system of the day? I'm not good at segues. I got nothing more to say right nope, that's now. That's good. Good. Oh, fact, awesome. I'm going to let you two start the next segment off because I use a, a wireless trackpad with uh, my computer here, and the batteries just died, so I need to get some uh, fresh batteries. So awesome. I'll be back in a moment. Well, okay. <laughs> well, Sean is off going to the little battery room. It's not going to be like a Ferg and Kevin thing where suddenly a celebrity appears. Eh. <laughs> 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 uh, Hey, Willie. Uh, <laughs> um, well, Willie, uh, so yes, the Atari 5200 Super System, which yeah. uh, people people who are into retro gaming know uh, really two things about it, that A, it was a stripped-down version of the Atari 8-bit home computers at the time, and B, that the controllers absolutely suck. We can get into a little bit of those in a little bit here, but uh, Willie, uh, why don't you tell me, tell me, tell our listeners... Not me. Don't talk to me. Ignore me. Uh, tell our listeners uh, about uh, your experiences with the 5200, how you got one, and so on and so forth. The 5200 I have right now, uh, I picked up, oh, I think sometime in the mid-2000s, if I remember correctly. I can't remember exactly when. Like, I've had three or four of these things. 
over the years. I didn't have one when they first were released. Instead, I got the Atari computer from my parents. I wanted a 5200, but they gave me the computer because they figured I could do my homework and stuff like that on it, which was a good thing because I used to write game programs and sell them. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a good time with that Atari computer. But anyway, yeah, I got into the 5200 because I've always wanted one. And the one I picked up, I picked up at a game store over in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I can't remember the name of the game store. It slips me right now. But I got it for like 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. So it was a nice deal. Came came with its box and everything like that. And it, uh, it was a four port, which I don't have anymore. I got a two port right now. But yeah, the controllers, uh, they, they, weren't, they weren't all that great. They didn't work very well. So one of the early, first things I did with mine... Not when I first got it, but later on, was that's do, interesting. Was to the gold upgrade <laughs> kit to I it from Best Electronics, mm-hmm. putting in the uh, replacement Mylar pad in it that has the gold circuits on it and the gold tipped uh, buttons and everything. And ever since I've done that, about three years ago, my controller has been working fa- flawlessly. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, when I had that 5200 that uh, Jim had, I was fixing the controller every week, mm-hmm. like re-gluing the contacts and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, that I never did think of getting that gold uh, upgrade from, yeah, from Best. No, I remember with, uh, with my uh, 5200 experience that way back in the day, I, I don't remember, I might have been, I don't remember where I got the money from, but... Uh, my uh, mom took me to uh, to Zare in the North Ridge Plaza in Joliet, Illinois, and uh, we were going there shopping, and they had the Atari 5200s on clearance. Wow. So I picked one of those up for like 50 bucks and uh, picked yeah. up a handful of games. I think it cost me a total of like uh, 75, 80 bucks I walked out of there. And um, nice. I had a blast with it. Um, I don't remember. I, now, it was a four-port. And things happen. I was enjoying it, playing games. Uh, I remember one of my favorites on that system was Countermeasure. Loved that game. But eventually things happen, move out of the house, rent a room from somebody, don't have the money and so uh, to, to pay the room. And so what do you do? Yeah, you give them your most prized possession, in this case, the 5200. And so I only had it for like about maybe six years at that point. And uh, later on in life, I... Uh, I'm looking online, and I'm like, I would really like to get a 5200 again, but I'd never owned an Atari 8-bit computer, and I'd always wanted one. I remember way back in my youth, fawning all over these screenshots of Caverns of Mars, and I'm like, oh, I really want to play this game. And so I won an eBay auction for an Atari 600XL. Well, a few years later, I get with, uh, with Sean's brother, or with Sean and his brother, and uh, Sean's brother basically gives me his Atari 65XE. So now I got the 600XL that I don't use anymore. So a little while later, uh, Sean uh, said was talking about how he wanted an 8-bit computer, and I'm like, I'll trade you the 8-bit computer for the 5200 you have, and because uh, he had bought, an, a, bought a 5200, and so we swapped. So now I've got a 65XE and an 8-bit computer. And now that I got the 65XE and, and I got the Uno cart, uh, and um, since many of the proprietary titles, well, really all of the titles for the 5200 were uh, basically ported to the Atari 8-bit computers, I didn't really see a need for the 5200 anymore. And so I, uh, I gave that uh, to a friend I have, uh, a mutual friend of Sean and mine who lives in Texas, and that I just gave him that back this last December, December of 2019. 
I actually still have a 5200, but I have one that does not work. <laughs> and my dad found one in the house he used to live at in Joliet, Illinois, when he moved in. And it came with the VCS adapter. Awesome. And um, the 5200 I got from Sean, I believe it was a four port, but it had been modified. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? The, mm-hmm. uh, the factory modification. And huh. the I didn't modify it. I assumed it was a two port. Oh, maybe it was a two port. Because it, it required a separate switch box. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Deal. It was a two port. It was a two port. Now that I think about it, and uh, the uh, the 2600 adapter worked in that uh, rather well, and um, and so that's actually with our fr- our mutual friend down in Texas as well as well as all the games that Sean gave me with it, and uh, yeah, all three of them. That's kind of my story at the time. I did as uh, you you had done, Willie. Is uh, one thing I did in recent years is bought one of those upgrade kits from best electronics and if you get a 5200 that is currently the uh the best upgrade you can make to your system pending the uh release of the 5200 controller from edlad controllers well you know you can get one from uh, uh herb Schalling, Schallinger, Schallinger. i can't Schultz. Schultz. Oh, yeah, i, know who that I is. can't yeah. pronounce mm-hmm. his last name I, i'm really bad at pronouncing names but he has a uh I replaced a 5200 controller that looks like, you know, uh, like a PS1 controller almost. Has a little analog yes. thumbstick on one yes, side. Yes, and you yes, got yes. the action buttons. And you got the keypad in the middle. That works extremely that. well. I have seen that. I've actually been uh, been curious to try one of those, uh, to it be honest. It works good. It works really good. And as long as we're talking about the controller right now, let's just get this. Let's just continue on this path for a moment here. Yeah. The 5200 joystick does deserve... 75% of the crap it gets. It is very unreliable, and a lot of the games don't really work well with it. However, a lot of the Atari programmers did kind of take the uh, wonky controller into mind when programming them, and some games I thought worked rather well with it that should not have. Like, uh, I think Pingo actually worked pretty well with the 5200 really? controller. Yeah, it does. Huh. And then some games just took full advantage of it. I think the one game... Uh, and Sean and I have brought this up before. On the 5200 that took the best advantage of what the controller could do was Activision's Dreadnought Factor. Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Anybody that has a 5200 with the original joystick, well, anybody that has a 5200 should have that game. Yes. Because absolutely. that is, I love that game. There's a lot of strategy to it. It's not just a, a blind shooter. And the way that you move forward and backward on the joystick to influence the speed of your uh, of your ship just works really really well and it feels natural with the controller. But yeah, you're going to I think I have when I gave the 5200 away to my friend, I think I had like four controllers and only really? one of them worked because that was the one. Oh, that's not counting the Wicko you gave me, which to be honest, I'm yeah. not a fan of that one. I didn't I like didn't it that much. It. I mean, it was way better than the original, but the thing is it's it had its own problems. Like it was a real biatch to center for one thing. Yeah, I yeah, you had to do a way too much finagling with it, and I did yeah. not care for it. And the the action on those things isn't really all that great. I mean, it's an improvement, but that's all it is—just an improvement. I liked Wicko's controllers in the arcade, not so much on the home systems. It's just not Wait, a fan what, of the what home arcade stuff. did arcade games did Wicko? Well, there are well, from what I understand, they were arcade standard at one time. Really? That's what I understand. I could be wrong on that, and I probably am. But, um, and by the way, I just something I want to say. By the way, I've seen some videos like people reviewing those sticks, pronouncing them Wico. No, it's Wico, and I'll it's tell Wico. you how I know the TV commercial. Either well, Starcade for me, because well, the thing is, if you're ever in doubt as to how something is pronounced, watch Starcade <laughs> because you know. 
that they had to run everything past legal and marketing and all these companies, True. they're not going to want their products mispronounced on the air. Yep. I remember it from the commercial they had on television. Your sticko won't go wacko when it's a uh, wicko. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that at all. I remember that. Don't ask me how. And, and hey, Jim, my how do you remember? Rem- oh, wait, never mind. Sorry. And my mother-in-law wonders, how come you can remember all this weird stuff, but you can't remember to take the garbage out on Wednesday? <laughs> but that's here nor there. Um, Did you get the master play clone for it? I did not. Um, the newer one how- actually uh, accepts paddle controllers as well. Really? Yeah. Well, that's neat. I remember what is years this master back, play clone? Okay. The, back in the days of the 5200, the controllers were such a huge issue that a company came out with a, a device called the Master Play, which allowed you to hook an Atari 2600 controller yeah. up to the 5200. And there have been various clones over it, on it, of it over the years. I remember Atari Age had one. Don't remember the name of it, but I did a little searching online, and uh, that device is actually in is open source and you can build it yourself if you mm-hmm. if you would like to. Man, I'm trying to th- and it would that one allowed you to hook both a 5200 con- or allowed you to hook a uh, they had one for the Atari 2600 and I believe they and they had one one I was looking to build was a version for the to plug a Sega Genesis controller. That's the one I've got. Okay. You know the one I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. What what was the name of that? Uh, it's called the Master Play clone. <laughs> really? I'm pretty hmm. sure. No, Pretty I thought simple. it had a different name. No, I'll, I'll I don't think it look did. that up in a little bit. So yeah, the uh, the controllers were crap. They deserve most of the reputation they have, but as far as I'm concerned, they don't deserve the entire thing because in the hands of a good programmer, they work rather well if they were reliable. If they're yeah. reliable, and if it was the kind of game that could deal with those controllers, like for example, Pac Man was virtually unplayable with that controller. I disagree. I got used to it after a while. I couldn't because it was all, always too much overcompensating. It was the Ms. Pac-Man version on the 5200 was much better in terms of being able to use that, that default controller, but it still wasn't great. Uh, I will say this. I did think it worked. I, I did think Centipede worked well with it. Oh, you can't play Centipede unless you use the trackball. I, I know. never used it. I... And, and that's, that's interesting because I, I kind of observed that the 5200 has both one of the Worst reputed controllers and one of the best reputed controllers because mm-hmm. I have never heard a bad thing about that trackball. That trackball is phenomenal. Except I the price. I still want to try one of those. I've, They're not that I've bad. Seen I just saw one up in, uh, I was up in, where was I? Wisconsin at a game store up there. There was one in the box for 50 bucks. Really? Yeah. Huh. Wow. You can find I them out there. I picked it up for that price. But yeah, I didn't have the the trackball, but I, I did, I did feel that centipede actually did, did control well with the stick. Oh, it does. But you know, if you really want to get that like true that arcade version of centipede though, <laughs> yeah, if you want to get a true arcade feel, man, get the trackball with centipede missile command. It works well with the homebrew tempest, but I modified mine to have a spinner to play tempest. So my, <laughs> my trackball has go. a little spinner on it as well. Nice. I actually thought uh, one game that worked really, really well with that controller was, and surprisingly well, was Kicks. Hmm. Quick, yeah. I thought. I mean, yeah. It, it still had some wonkiness to it, but it was nowhere near as bad as I expected it to be. No. And that's good because that version of Kicks is miles better than the one yes. on the Atari 8-bit computer. It is. It's really good. And, and they obviously had 
for a lot of this stuff that had for games that were on both consoles. Some of them were developed at the same time. They just you know moved them over. But you could tell a few of them were just like programmed so by different teams. Like the one for Kick, the Kicks, or the the game Kicks on the fifty on the eight bit. When you tr- drew a square, or whatever, in the arcade, it would go da 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 and fill the screen in. On the eight bit, it went da 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 da, da, da and it, like slew, slowly drew the screen, and it took like <laughs> way too much time. It literally sounded like that. And uh, on the fifty two hundred, with less memory than than most Atari eight bit computers, by the way, just had it da 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 like almost as fast as the arcade. And uh, it was such a good version of that game. I loved that game uh, a, a, a lot. I played it a lot, too. The graphics, the score, and everything looked just like the title arcade game, whereas the 8-bit version used the default Atari font that was in the game for a lot of that stuff. I've already mentioned the Dreadnought Factor as being... Uh, we might as well talk Love about it. the games now. Played <laughs> three different versions of that. Loved all three of them. Of what? Dreadnought, Dreadnought Factor? Factor. Well, I, there there are different ROMs of it on uh, available for the eight bit computer that have different layouts of the ships. There's the standard one, and then there's a couple of hacks that re uh, messed them that you know played with the formula a bit for more interesting uh, things. But those were not official from Activision. From yeah, what I understand. played the eight bit version, the fifty two hundred version, and an Intellivision version. Loved them all. Yeah, that's oh, just a good game. Saying, okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, because there were there were hacks of Dreadnought Factor for the uh, the Atari 8-bit computers that had different the Dreadnought layouts, just brought more uh, replayability to the game. I totally forgot uh, about the Intellivision uh, version of it because I've never owned an Intellivision, and my experience with that is about a little bit better than the experience I have with the Vectrex, but not much more. So yeah, that was a good game. Uh, briefly mentioned Pingo. I played the hell out of Pingo as well. I thought that was really good. Surprisingly, I played a lot of the Space Shuttle on the really? 5200. I did not know that was on the 5200. It mm-hmm. was, and it made a lot more sense than the 70, or the 2600 mm, version just yes. because it has the keypad with the overlay. It was a little more, a little more intuitive. It was still hard as hell, hmm. but uh, I think the 5200 handled it well. And then again, the controllers were almost built for that game in a way. What were some of your favorite games on the 5200, Willie? Well, Star Raiders, for one. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoy playing Star Wars on my regular computer, but I really like it on a 5200. Of course, Pingo is one of my favorites. Love Pingo. That's always been one of my favorite games. Robotron. Robotron's another one. Uh, Space Dungeon. I really like Space oh, Dungeon. Oh, God. Space Dungeon. That was an amazing game. That was a one-of-a-kind for the 5200. No other console had it. And that is one that was ported, again, to the Atari 8-bit computers. And... Um, it's hard to play without two joysticks. Yeah, it is. Well, they made a coupler, of course, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yeah, they had a whole. Yes, they did. That came with Space Dungeon. You put your your sticks into. Didn't uh, Robotron come with it also? I don't remember. I think so. I'm not I know sure. Wait, hold, on, hold on a second. That counts as content. Uh oh. This week in Robotron. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Our uh, our trusty uh, production guy. Uh, Hyde uh, has to toss in the this week with Robotron theme that we have. Oh, so okay, or Stinger, I think it's called in the industry. Um, or sweet, yeah, Stinger, yeah, I don't know. So, I have to say, I was not impressed with Robotron on the 5200, but really? but I have a defense of that though. I actually played the 7800 Robotron first. Huh? Uh, 
That's so, probably why I didn't like the 5200 uh, Centipede. Because <laughs> I played the 7800 version before I played that version. <laughs> yeah, if you play the 7800 version of a game that's on the 5200 first, you're going to not like the 5200 version. <laughs> I think I'm one of the few people that actually liked played and liked uh, Super Breakout on the 5200. Huh? Uh it was a lackluster pack, and it should not have been a pack in at all. But because it just didn't sell the console, but nope. I thought it was fun for what it was. I like I said, I think I'm the only person who liked it. But uh, you know, it is what it is. It's Super Breakout. In retrospect, they could have added more features to it because 5200 was the Super System, and they didn't do anything Super with it. Yeah, even if, the 2600 version was better. I'm not going to disagree with that because the one thing the 2600 version had going for it was the uh, was the sound. You kept sound hitting reset until you got the sound, the sound thing you wanted. I I did like the the visual of the the uh, the brick melting away when the ball hit it in yes. the 5200 version. That was really cool. That is cool. But, yeah. But so what other uh, what other games you did you have for it? Yeah. Recommend delight favorites. <clears throat> well, Star Wars Arcade's pretty good on it with the trackball. It's not too bad. Again, I've, I really wish I would have had the trackball. I, I feel I'm really missing out with that thing. Now, if you've got a multi-cart, uh, well, you don't need a multi-cart for some of these. You know, they, they've got scrambled now for the 5200. I have, I've played the, uh, the Atari 8-bit version of Scramble. I believe it's the same version. Yeah. Okay. We're talking about the 5200, but you can't talk about the 5200 without talking about the 8-bit computer, but even a little bit. But um, I have to say, one thing I loved about the 8-bit version of Scramble is the Atari 8-bit, if you plug in a Sega Genesis controller into the 8-bit, you'll get independent fire and bomb buttons, and that's awesome. Oh, yeah. You don't have to do that with the 5200, obviously, but that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, They've also released a ROM for Bosconian. Did they? Really? Oh, I didn't see that. And it is absolutely incredible. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really good. It even talks. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I got to look this up. Bosconian. And there's also a tech demo running around out there of a game that's going to be coming out. Galaga. Hmm. For the 5200, you can download and try as well. Oh, holy crap. Yeah, the Bosconian was just released in November of 2019. Yes. Really? Wow. Is there an 8-bit of it, too? Um, (laughs) I don't know. So Maybe. Well, the thing that. is with the 8 bit emulators, you can pretty much, they, they also emulate the 5200, so you can just oh, yeah, download Altera. it. Oh, yeah, Altera. Yeah, Altera. Yeah, but I have an actual 8 bit I could try it on. Well, you could always search the 8 bit for them at Atari Age. Yeah. Yeah, but who has time these days? In today's economy, who has time? I know. You are want to say W O N T. W O N T. Now, you know, back to talking about controllers again, you know. Yeah. Something I'm really looking forward to is Ed Landon's controller. He's gonna have yes. he's gonna have the ability for you to use the original overlays over the keypad. Yep. He's also gonna have a spinner and paddle control on it as well. That oh man. So you'll be able to play Tempest using this controller with the actual spinner. You can use it on pole position with the like a driving steering wheel. Yeah, I told I told Ed that I will get a fifty two hundred again when that thing is out. Oh yeah, I'm really looking forward to him putting this thing out. It's going to be a really good controller. There were two things I did not like about the fifty two hundred, and that was the controller and the unnecessary size. Yes, I mean I know that the size was there to store the controllers, but 
No. Okay, Sean, a uh, quick interruption here. Yes, Bosconian is on the 8-bit. Looks like it was released in March of 2016. Uh-huh. Oh, there you and, go. And uh, I might actually have that on my uh, Uno cart, now that I think about Ooh. it. Anyway, uh, you can download it at atarionline.pl slash forums, and you have to kind of register to uh, download it. Yeah. Although, I wonder if it's on Atari Mania. Uh, one of my favorite go-to Atari sites. Yeah, Atari Mania's got a lot of good information. Oh, heck yeah, they do. And um, it's not quite, but almost uh, one of those sites where uh, if they don't have it, it's not, it's not, it doesn't exist. It's almost that good. Let's see here. Yes. Research on the fly. <laughs> a Pie Factory Hallmark. Looking um, forward to when they actually get Mr. Dew done and released on the 5200. Yes, I actually beta tested that uh, a little bit for uh, for Albert. And um, last I knew, there were a few little issues with it. Nothing major. Mm-hmm. More uh, more graphic glitches. Were you testing that too, or is it... Uh... No, but I've played it. It's, uh, it's actually pretty good. I had it on my 8-bit from Datasoft back in the yeah, day. It's, it's pretty much a straight conversion from yeah. the Datasoft... Uh, 8-bit version but it was and it controlled really good with the stock uh controller as yeah, well yeah it did but uh yeah they're just I, I need to ask albert what's up with that but yeah another good game to get on 5200 that i like is montezuma's revenge hmm. i have not one. played a bad version of that game on any system every version of that i have played yep. has been great uh the 2600 version of that took a little uh getting used to but uh and that my first experience with it was the ColecoVision. But the 8-bit, the 5200, oh, that's such a fun game. The only thing is, with that game, first level, you got to find the, the torch that you need for the, the, the darkened levels. Excuse me, it's in two different uh, places on the map. And the closer place is a pain in the ass to get to with all the jumping you have to do to get to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> download yourself a map of that game. <laughs> And again, that one actually did work pretty good with the with the stack controller, if I recall correctly. So I hear uh, you typing away there, Sean. You still looking for that thing? Clickety, no, I'm not typing. Clickety, oh. clickety, clickety, clickety. I'm not typing at all. Oh, okay. oh, you're playing Bosconian, aren't you? <laughs> no, no. He's, he's playing Zookeeper. No, Zookeeper? no, no. What are you playing? Demon Attack. Demon Attack. Demon Attack. <laughs> No, because the thing is, I don't have much to say about the 5200 because I didn't have, I mean, I had mine for maybe two years and I didn't ah. play it that much because I, every time I played it, I was like, all right, what, I'm not digging this. I hate the controller. I hate putting the thing away because I have nowhere to put it because it's too freaking big. Yeah. I liked uh, the, the angry video game nerds. Uh, oh, I still where we see talked that. about the 5200 and he was basically storing his rolling rock beer in that controller storage area in the bag yeah. you could easily store a bottle of beer in there actually oh yeah and, and of course there's the unused expansion port on the 5200 really uh, yep on the left hand side uh, uh on the the rear left hand side as you look at it there's a expansion port which i don't remember i don't know much about that i, I know i heard what inputs and outputs that thing handled but i don't remember much it wasn't it, it handled more than the, the uh, 7800 which is just video for a unbuilt um, laser disc player, but um, so I'm trying to th- I'm I'm going through my mind trying to think of what games I had for the 5200, and um, I have to say, even though it's old hat, it was old hat by the time the 5200 came out. I really loved the 5200 Space Invaders. Really, I had a lot of fun with that. 
What did you like about it specifically? I liked how the graphics were different, and after a while, it was like the seventh, if you get to the seventh round of invaders, they were, oh gosh, what, what did the hell did they look like? They like had this different look to them. I mean, it was a different version than the 8-bit computer uh, version, I do know that. I'm trying to remember exactly what the, correct me if I'm wrong, Willie, since you actually had the, uh, or have the trackball, could you play Space Invaders with the trackball? I don't remember. I didn't use the trackball when I played mine. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. But I don't see a reason why you couldn't. Yeah, I could. I could have sworn that it had on there. But um, now, okay, I got to ask. Uh, over time, they have found prototypes for fifty-two hundred games. Oh, by the way, well, I guess it was released. Not. A, I thought it was a prototype. But uh, Gremlins for the fifty-two hundred is an amazing yeah, game. That's pretty cool. It used, from what I understand, it used the engine they programmed Robotron with, and uh, I have to say, I am not a, again, I said I, I said it before, I'm not a fan of Robotron on it, mainly because I played the 7800 version first, but Gremlins is such a fun game. I think we played that at uh, Keith's last Atari party. Uh, the 5200 or the 2600 Gremlins? I don't, I think it was, it looked, well, maybe, maybe it was, it was the 2600 the 5200. version, now that I think about it. I don't know. There are two totally different styles of gameplay, and but the 5200 version is so much fun. You got to capture the Mogwai, put them in their cage before before sunrise, and you have to keep them. Well, it follows the rules of Gremlins. You have to uh, keep them away from water so they don't multiply, and keep them away from uh, from food so they don't turn into the uh, into the evil Mogwai. And you have different um, things you can do to distract them, like turn on a television set, and then the, the Mogwai will start watching the television and uh, pausing them, and then uh, you're just going around killing the bad ones with your sword. That was a really fun game. And uh, and again, that was also ported to the 8-bit, but uh, I played the heck out of that game. That was really, really fun. That had to have been released like right near the end of the 5200 lifespan, though. Yeah, it was. That's, a, that's such a fun game. I would... If I still had my 5200, I would definitely seek that cartridge out. That's a, it's just a, it's just an amazing game. Now, for, and, uh, for unreleased, for unreleased prototypes, you know, Junior Pac-Man's pretty good. Hmm. I have not played that one. I yeah. can't imagine playing that with the uh, original 5200 controller. <laughs> now, I have to ask. Oh, man. I have to ask. A few years ago, they found uh, the Sinistar prototypes. Uh, was that just the 8-bit, or was that a 5200? think i was a state fit i think okay because if any game was going to work well with the 5200 joystick i think that one would work well with it yeah because of how it was uh how many freaking directions did that joystick have it had like some ungodly number of joysticks, yeah, something like 47 or directions or something. something like that yeah it was it was fewer than uh than food fight had but it was still a heck of a lot of uh directions on it that would oh, really i played food fight well too at the ghost oh i haven't played that in a year in a long time <laughs> sorry <laughs> i love me some food fight that would have been a fun game on the 5200 i think that could have pulled it oh off. yeah that would have been yeah. great and uh you, you, again uh, like they did with gremlins you could use the uh the, the the robotron engine as the basis of it thinking about it food fight's just in kind of another version of robotron in a way it really is i was actually thinking that when i played it yeah screen setup is Fairly similar, different goals and all that, but um, but yeah, that oh that version of Star or of uh, Sinistar was really awesome on the eight bit. But anyway, so you're saying Junior Pac-Man? Uh, what other prototypes had been released for it? Oh, you know, off the top of your head, or oh, I, I'm drawing a blank. Putting you on the spot. That's what we do yeah. best here. Drawing a blank. 
Oh, well. Go over to AtariProtos.com. You can see all kinds of prototype oh. problems over there. Oh, yeah. Duh, Tempest's website. Well, Tempest was actually finished by the original programmer and everything to a full game now. No, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm meaning Tempest runs AtariProtos.com. The oh, Atari sorry. user Tempest, yeah. <laughs> but that having been said, talk about Tempest a bit. That's, I think, the biggest. Apart from the 2600 Zookeeper, 5200 Tempest is probably the most legendary Atari game prototype for a home console out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually really, really good. Now that it's complete, it's it's a really fun game. Didn't the, um, the original programmer finish it, or was that some yes. of the people over at Atari? No. It was the original programmer. The original okay. programmer finished it. Wow. I've played it a little bit, uh, again, but only in emulation, and uh, I... That's one game I really wish I would have bought on cartridge before I got rid of my 5200. Because that, it looked really good. Obviously, you know, you can't really recreate vector as well as no. you can. Or on a raster monitor as you can on a standard vector monitor. Oh, yeah. But, and even then, the calculations got to be precise. You oh, know? yeah. But even then, it was really amazing what they did with it. <laughs> Tempest hasn't updated his uh, Atari Protos in a while. Uh, still in development when the video game market crashed in early 84. It was around that time that Atari decided to cancel all 5200 game development and kill off the system. The last known version of Tempest was still only around 90% finished, but sadly this version may be lost to the sands of time. Oh, that's a different version, though. Okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah. It's, instead of bringing stuff up, I should probably read them first. Then, of course, uh, Cloak and Dagger is one we talked about on our... our um, podcast a while back <laughs> freaking podcast i can't remember what to call our dang thing here oh. i do know in the movies in the movie cloak and dagger the game was shown in a 5200 box in one scene but i don't know if it was ever actually started on the 5200 or not but yeah as we said in our cloak and dagger episode you can download the beta uh, the prototype off of atarimania.com I don't know, is there anything really more we can bring up about the 5200? I mean, I, from what I understand, they had, like, big plans for it. They had the uh, the fifty two or the 2600 adapter, and then there was talk of the, um, I think they called it the Slam Pam, which was the 7800 adapter they were talking about uh, coming out for the 5200. Then, of course, they were going to eventually, at some point, uh, put a keyboard and stuff onto it, and, and there was talk about that, but none of the Atari's keyboards ever came out. The 5200 is a good system, but Atari botched it in so many ways because it was originally oh, yeah. the chips that was originally for, developed, from what I understand, as a game system and not a computer. And it's just Atari management were like just tossing everything at it, and then they just brought out the 8 bit computers, which the computers are great, mm-hmm. great computers. But they should have, as far as I'm concerned, Instead of making coming out with the 400 and putting all the add-ons to it, they should have released it as a stripped-down game system when it originally came out. Hmm. And you wouldn't have had the stupid, uh, the stupid, let's say legendary 5200 controller debacle, and there wouldn't have been much different. They wouldn't have had had diff- they could have saved more money if they would have released it as a console early on. Let's just put it that way. And um, I would still, I would say to our listeners, uh, seek one out and uh, try it out. And because uh, it's great, it's good. I like it. The games are good. It's just there's some other factors that are, that are just kind of turning yeah. off, turning off for some people, you know. Well, the thing is, with that era of video games, when the 5200 came out, we had the ColecoVision and the Intellivision, and all three of them had terrible yeah. controllers. That's true. Well, the Intellivision controllers, once you figured, in fact, you told me how to 
how to really use an Intellivision controller, and that helped. Me? Yeah, you specific. You were the one who said don't use them like as if they were D pads, but just kind of like put your thumb on the direction you're going and then rotate yes. up to your mm-hmm. yes. to your next direction. I got that tip from you. Okay, and that really made a huge difference. I still have to say, I think out of all three of those systems, I think the ColecoVision controller, standard ColecoVision controller, was the best. But that's uh, damning with faint praise. <laughs> it's the least bad. It's the least bad. Yes, let's put it that way. And really, and even then, the Intellivision controller, you could you could get a little thing to add on to it to turn it into a joystick, and that really made it feel like every other controller. Really, but then so. there's the, the, the side buttons on the Intellivision. Those were stupid. Those were stupid. Let's put it. Let's let's face it. All of the side buttons for all these controllers were bad in their own special yeah. way. Yeah. As for a straight up controller, the the joystick. Even though it was like a mushroom, the, the, the ColecoVision controller, I feel, was the better of the three. and But it was still pretty bad. But, uh, yeah, the ColecoVision flashback actually made the bad ColecoVision controller even worse. Because <laughs> the mushroom thing, they the mushroom joystick thing on there was a lot shorter and it had no throw. And, yeah, the less said about those things, the better. Although I've been <laughs> wanting a, an Intellivision flashback. But that's just me. So, yeah. I think with that, we're... We've kind of uh, run the gauntlet here, haven't we? Anything yeah. else we need to touch on? Or? Was Gauntlet on the 5200? No. No. Oh. However, there's a version there? of Gauntlet for use with the Super Game module for the uh, ColecoVision. Mm-hmm. And it looks pretty good, too. I would love to be able to say that, but my Phoenix well, is I on back order. I don't think, they, I don't think <laughs> you can buy the Gauntlet anymore, though. I think that was a limited... All those games are kind of a limited time thing. But the ROM will be released at some point. They generally are. Usually around Christmas time. If it's from uh, Team Pixel Boy, usually uh, around Christmas he has like a ROM release. Oh, he Hmm. released some good ones this time. Yes, he Um, did. He released some real good ones. What was the one? There was one that I've been playing the hell out of. Um, I've been playing King of Balloon quite a bit. uh, Children of the Night was one of them, wasn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm loving that game. It's like... The Legend of Zelda type game that you didn't realize the ColecoVision needed. Yes. Huh. That is a great game. And um, I've got my passwords written down for it right here. And I have to play it again. It's been, I haven't played it for about a few days, but um, that's a that's a fun game. Basically, you're Dracula and you're a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> and you team up with Van Helsing. Woo. Fun game. Fun game. It can get really hard in spots, though. Especially if you don't have the, the manual and the uh, map for it. Anyway, I think with that, we will uh, wrap things up here, because I know it's past midnight your time, uh, Willie. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh. So we took too much of your time. Yeah. Sorry, and, uh, but, uh, uh, we drag you into this. Yeah. <laughs> Willie, well, we thank uh, you. Why don't you plug uh, things that you have to plug? Plug away. Get plug the next element. Well, away. Uh, you can see me on YouTube, Arcade USA. Uh, I do the Toy Tomb. It's supposed to be a podcast, but I haven't made a podcast in a while, so mainly it's videos that you can find on Arcade USA. Uh, the Atari 5200 Super Community, another podcast I've not done in quite a while. So it's mainly videos, too. Uh, ColecoVision's podcast, which I haven't done that in two years. <laughs> it's mainly videos now. So basically Atari all this stuff can be found on Arcade USA now. There you go. That, that's the spirit. Okay, and of course we will uh, link in the when show is, notes. Uh, are there plans for another Intari Visions? Yeah, we're going to be doing bump and jump whenever we can all get together again. Yeah, that's uh, 
I was actually on one of those. I was. I think I was on the Zaxxon episode. Yeah. Of yes, that. you were. And yeah, of course, I was representing the Coleco Adam version. And um, yeah, that's uh, getting so many people together for a podcast. It's hard enough getting one special guest on a podcast, but all of you guys, especially with uh, Ferg's hours and your hours, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, I've had, had a lot of people asking for another episode. And count me Willie, in. On can them we have too. another episode, please, please, please? Yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> no. You don't release another episode or we'll turn this car right around. Right around. So, yeah. <laughs> so, at any rate. At any rate. Thank you for being with us. We really thank appreciate you so it. Much, we had really. a good time. No problem. And Jimmy G, thank you for podcasting with me and thank you for allowing me to podcast with you. Well, thank you very much, Sean. I notice we always thank our guests. We don't thank each other. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sean. You've been a really good co-host. Okay. Now be honest. Stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> stuff. That's stuff. it. You can't get enough of the stuff. And while we're thanking people, we should also thank uh, some others. Uh, thank you to Timmy Mack, Kurt Musgrave, Nate Lockhart. Oh, by the way, I Nate Lock. I I, I don't think we plug him enough, but Nate is uh, he has a uh, podcast. He's part of the podcast network called the Geekiverse. And uh, what I love about the Geekiverse is that there's just so many different things out there for different interests. It's not just video games, but something that you yourself can be a geek about. There's an episode for it, and I love that. I absolutely love that. Uh, we'll link that in the show notes, of course. Uh, Art Guglielmo, thank you so much. PJ Steele, thank you. Tim Foley, thanks so much. Richard Valdez, Lance Endries, Kyle Etter, Steve Steiner, Airshack, Richard Grounds, Rory Charles Coleman, D. Alex, Keith Sheehan, Christian Williams, Franco Dragon, Underground Retrocade, New Balance Phoenix, pardon me, New Balance Stores Phoenix, <clears throat> and the Sneeze Podcast, and Atari Bites. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate, uh, we both really appreciate all that you've done for us. Uh, so, what else can we say? Well, uh, we can say uh, goodbye and... Hope you tune in for episode 106, and no, this we're is episode 106, so we hope 107. if you listen to this that you were intending to. Uh, we'll be back with episode 107. And Jimmy G, why don't you say what the games are? Blueprint and Solar Fox. So there we go. How are you going to end the show, Sean? So you do a countdown to hit stop? or Two musicians are walking down the street. One said, who is that strumpet I saw you with yesterday? The other one said, that was no strumpet. That was my fife, you F-hole. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is The Happy L, composed by Sean Courtney. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at Patreon.com slash PieFactoryPodcast. Unicorn Rainbow.